0: Hmm. Ah. Hmm.
1: Huh. Ozzy was always a fair man. So in his honor, I'm gonna give you one last chance. If you run away now, we'll play dumb when they ask us. This is my home. You're my people.
0: <gasps> 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 Get in there, kid. I think he's my best friend. What about your
2: friend, Addie?
1: Get huh? up.
0: Get up. And Rodney. Come on. Come on. I love Henry. You know I love him.
3: Into the show, The Walking Dead. Hey, everybody! Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm Lucy. Yay, Lucy's back! And this is the Walking Woo-hoo. Dead cast episode 376. Yes, it and we're is. We're just saying. When was the last time you were on the? F-
4: first episode um, it or second was premiere Yeah. so the this is episode one, yeah. four so yeah it was the premiere and um, i've been back in uh scotland for a little bit but now i am back in canada so yes have a
0: good but time? it was
4: actually i yeah it was nice um it was good to see everyone it's been actually quite nice to be able to listen to the podcast again mm. like as a it felt really like old school sitting listening to you and karen and then to you and rima mm-hmm. who was amazing as well <laughs> um yeah it's I need just to take great a break. that they have yeah, it's just let let the women do it. one Yeah,
3: week. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, pick pick one or two women, and I'll just be a fan. That'd be awesome. Excellent.
4: <laughs> it's it's a it's a nice feeling to sit back and be like, oh yeah, I'm a fan. Like it's not just something that we do; it's something that we can enjoy and yeah. listen to as well. So I really appreciate that.
3: Well, when I when I take like uh, a few days, uh, uh, I record, edit, publish, then give it a couple of days, and then I listen even when I'm on it I still I forgot everything I said so I do kind of feel like a fan (laughs) I mean some people can't listen to themselves but I I'm glad to say that I actually enjoy listening to it
4: (laughs) yeah I don't mind listening to myself I'm, I'm kind of I'm fine with it um it's just it's such a different experience when you're like and I'm also so interested to hear other people's opinions and listen to what they have to say about the episode so I only actually caught up properly at the weekend I missed um The Carol Dream episode. So I've kind of been catching up over the last couple of Mm -hmm. days, which has been good. So I love that one. It was really good. (laughs) Really good.
3: All right. Well, before we get going, I'll mention this episode and this podcast is made possible by Patreon supporters like Tracy Enos, who've pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. So thank you, Tracy, who's been a supporter for a long time. And Uh, I want to mention that we're coming up On November in a few days here and so We'll do our usual annual free November so Mm -hmm. if you want To check out the the Patreon Facebook Group the Zed Head group you can Do that for free in November even if uh, Usually you need to be a supporter at the $10 level to be in there but if you're um, If you already support Me on Patreon but less Than that and you want to check out the group let me know Or if you're not a supporter you just want to Drop in for the month, just for the hell of it. That's totally fine. So I need your email that you use with Facebook, so I can invite you into the group. So you can either go to our uh, Facebook.com/slash Deadcast page and I put up a post there. You can put your email there, or if you don't want to post it publicly, you can just send it to me at Jason at Podcastica.com if you want to try that out.
4: It's so fun. You mm-hmm. should do it. Yeah. The nights are getting it's darker. You may as well come and hang with some
3: <laughs> Good point. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. Attention, shoppers! Deadcast
2: top five in five, four, three, two.
3: All right, it's our Deadcast top five this week. It's our top five highlights for Walking Dead season ten, episode four, "Silence the Whispers."
4: Uh, dun, dun, dun. Cool title.
3: So I, at first I was like, oh, I wrote the title down wrong because in the episode they were saying silence the whispers, not the whisperers, but oh. I double checked and the title is actually silence the whisperers.
4: It's uh, I think it's a title of one of the comic book arcs. So that makes sense. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah. They like to use those every once in a while. They're yeah. going to run out pretty soon.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they really are.
3: So what did you think of it?
4: oh i really liked it actually i wasn't sure what to expect um and i really enjoyed it i thought it was a strong episode um i wonder if it's maybe my liking of character development stuff rather than plot stuff that means that i was so into it this week but there were some moments i really loved in it and mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm still just delighted that the main show was back um yeah i was still much yeah. like sadiq and his ptsd <laughs> <laughs> occasionally I, like, I, I don't want to help anybody
3: no no more helping
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: i'll hear um that song by the traveling wilburys and i'll start screaming <laughs> and sweating um it's the end yeah, of the line no, it's,
0: <laughs> it's the end of the line
4: <laughs> good ah! <laughs> painting trees so, Oh my God, can you imagine? Um, so no, I, it's nice to be back. And yeah, it was enjoyable. I really I watched it um, twice today and both times full speed. One, because I couldn't figure out how to watch it speeded up on iTunes. And two, because I enjoyed it, so I didn't mind watching it twice. So
3: <laughs> so since we talked last, I went to Walker Stalker Atlanta. And yeah. uh, it, it, man, you guys might have heard that in a lot of ways, it was kind of a clusterfuck, but um, the panels were great. And yeah. I'm happy to say I really wanted to, you know, just focus on my part and make it great and and Mm -hmm. you know also just kudos to everyone else who helps out with that con we've uh it's just been a rough year financially and so we had a lot less resources but um you know we the the photo ops was i I guess a big mess but anyway it's hard
4: isn't it it's a really it's 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 such a big thing to organize yeah it's really maybe a change in leadership is a good thing maybe to, you know clean slate like see yeah, what happens
3: we'll see but anyway as far as the um panels go uh there was a fear panel and oh gosh <laughs> i asked uh thomas O'Mara, who's a listener of this podcast to do it because thomas and i give each other shit about fear uh in in uh, over facebook messenger because he loves it and he's a huge fan and mm-hmm. uh and so we we're just, just totally digging at each other about, about it. Amazing. But um, I'm like, hmm, there's a fear panel. I'll ask Thomas. And then I kind of joked with Thomas hey, can you do the fear panel? Because I can't find anyone else who still likes the show.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but that's not true. There are plenty of people who still like it. And uh, it was great because he was really excited and did a fantastic job with that. And the, was, and the actors are all there? really nice and, you know, great.
4: Was it Jenna Garrett, that kind of?
3: Yes. And Alexa Nissenson, who um, plays Charlie. And oh. I saw her in the green room and there was a little party. it that was like, Charlie. But, you know, <laughs> when I walked into the panel, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I walked in halfway through and she was right in the middle of answering somebody saying oh yeah charlie is is really distraught about that and just wants to make up for it and and she's like and i am too like i i was just really upset about that i love frank delane and i like the character of nick and just hearing her say all those things uh felt really good (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> Did you shout? Silence the Charlie! <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, no, it it made me because uh, you know I'm, I'm I've always been one who's critical of fans for uh, treating their actors like the characters, like when yeah. uh, Lizzie uh, Bright and Charbonneau oh, get yeah, death she threats got a really and stuff like time, that. Didn't she? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, whenever I say anything like that about Alexa Nissenson, I've totally been kidding, but um, yeah. <laughs> but still, even even. So when I heard her say that, it just made me feel a lot of warmth for her. <laughs>
4: yeah, it was nice I mean to hear. she must know. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad you had a, a moment of you know uh what's the word reconciliation yeah. with Charlie at that point. I'm glad. I mean she probably has no idea, but I'm glad for you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, I think the reason why she was saying that is because I didn't hear the question, but I'm sure somebody was like so. Charlie killed Nick. What about it? You
4: know, <laughs> <laughs> was it just you wearing like a beard and glasses, yeah. a mustache, a fake mustache, <laughs> <laughs> one of those fake noses? Like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, um, I liked the episode too. And the first watch, I liked it, but I felt like maybe it was the my least favorite of the season so far. Which mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's been a great season, so that's not, yeah, like a big complaint, but um. On second watch I liked it even more because I really started getting into the whole thing about uh well I guess I'll say it in my top 5 but um I just yeah. think it was really effective on a lot of different levels so I liked it a lot.
0: One
4: thing I would say and Rima said it last week as well it is very dark. Like I was watching it um in daylight today on my my MacBook and I did have to like change the the screen settings a lot. There was a lot of pretty like dark uh, filming, which there was some. But when I watched it the second time, I feel like I got more out of it because I was kind of expecting it. Whereas the first time round, I was like, "Hang on, what? What's happening? Yeah. This is super dark. Who's here?"
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like the that episode of of Game of Thrones where they fought the Night King, and it was yeah. too dark for most people. <laughs> and if you have the right setup, then those episodes mm-hmm. are awesome because it's nighttime which is a good vibe but you can see everything but if you don't then it sucks because yeah exactly you're like
4: it's so dark why (laughs) like yeah it's It's funny but i mean darker nights now so it shouldn't be too much of an issue going forward
3: (laughs) (laughs) so what's your number five
4: um so i had a really hard time picking five for this one because a lot of mine kind of bled into one another Um, mm. i'll start with one of the smaller ones at uh, the direction of the episode because did you notice it was a cudlets episode yeah so i thought it was interesting because one of the reviews i read was quite critical of the the directing of this episode and i think they kind of had a point Um, but i'm willing to sort of let it slide because it's nice that cudlets was back and directing and um, obviously he played abraham up until the start of season seven Um, There were some choices I think really worked and there were other choices where I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure about this. And none of this is about the quality of like the writing or the plot. It was just a couple of specific director choices that I was really like, I'm not sure about this. So the things I've noticed with Cudlitz's episodes, because the first one I think he did was where we see Jesus as leader of Hilltop. Um, and it opens with a kind of pan over hilltop and aerial view and a Jesus and Mary chain song which sticks in my head because I thought that was quite a cool use of music there but I wasn't sure about the use of music in this episode um it felt totally quite weird like I just I think it would have worked at the beginning or the end, but having it with both took me out of it a little bit um and I can't really put my finger on why I Think that the opening scenes were really interesting. Like before the cold open, the sort of flashes of life, but they felt a bit arbitrary. I don't know that we really, I don't know what they added to it in some ways. Um, I much preferred the way that it ended in that sense. Um, I noticed that Cudlitz still loves an aerial shot, so we got an aerial shot of Alexandria at the end, which was pretty effective and is often really like the. Um, comic books in terms of how it, it shows the environment that these people are living in. And the final kind of image of Daryl cleaning the door of the silence, of the whisperers, was was a good one i was a little nervous about how the goodbye was directed at the end i'm really feeling like luke is being sent off to be like (laughs) wed or something they're all like bye luke we'll never see you again and i'm like what's Mm -hmm. what's this is it it, is he going to live there permanently so
3: so overt (laughs) that i almost wonder if it's misdirection yeah i wonder not only was it blowing kisses and look kind of looks meaningful stares (laughs) the looks on their faces are like oh this is the last time i'm going to see you and (laughs) he's hugging them and everything but then with that music which was very emotional and kind of Mm. wistful it was like yeah this is luke's goodbye and so if he really does i think it probably is but I, I almost hope it's misdirection because yeah. that would be more I mean, clever.
4: Yeah, it would be very on the, I mean, it's very on the nose. It's very yeah. like, I just felt like at one point I've written in my notes, is he actually getting sent away like a medieval princess to get married? <laughs> They're like, you know, bye, my dear, take your yeah. diary with you. Like, it you was know, very strange.
3: <laughs> yeah, that would make a little more sense because... If he's just going to die and they're like, we want to have some meaningful interactions before he dies. that But th- that doesn't make sense if he's just going off on a mission and he's supposed to come back. It doesn't yeah, make sense.
4: It's, it's really that that totally just really confused me. at yeah. the end. I was like, OK, weird. Um, I thought this stuff that Cudlitz does really well as a director is some of the more interpersonal stuff. Like when it's two people having a conversation and he's not afraid to get in um people's faces and i think that worked really well with like carrie payton who's like this big persona and we suddenly are zoomed in on his face and he just looks so broken at that mm-hmm. point i thought those things were really effective but yeah i feel like you could tell it maybe wasn't a career director directing mm-hmm. this episode but it was still good regardless you know
3: nicotero he's been in the movie business for decades but he just started directing with walking dead And he's been doing it for years now. And I really feel like his directing has improved a lot over the years. Some of his earlier efforts were a little uh, hit or miss. But now whenever I see it's his episode, they're usually really good. So maybe Cutlass is the same. I don't know.
4: (laughs) And it's funny, I think Game of Thrones gave me um, a real appreciation for what a difference a director can make. Because they were quite good at, was it Mikhail Sh- Sapochnik was yeah. very good at the battle episodes. So yes. I think it's interesting that TV's becoming more aware of that and more literate about it. So yeah, it was something that I don't usually notice, but this episode I did. Yeah. Um, I have also written like... <laughs> I'm not sure if Michael Cudlitz understands how women have sex with one another. But (laughs) maybe best not go into that too much on the (laughs) podcast. But there was something about that scene where I was like, "Um, okay, this is definitely a man directing lady-loving scenes, but cool, fine, whatever. (laughs) It's nice that it was up there front and centre, so to speak. And I enjoy a bit of um, Magmiko, as I've decided their name will be. So, yeah, it was interesting.
3: I mean, the thing thing with directing is... um... It's so important and more important than most people realize. But also there are uh, cinematographers and other people too that, have a lot of input on the shots and things like that, so it's hard. Yeah, to this know is the thing, isn't it? How much or what exactly to blame on him? You know, yeah, uh, probably the girl sex could be blame on him.
4: <laughs> I don't know why. I'm like, maybe he's like a really like wo- he's probably really woke. I'm just like, oh yeah, God. I just I feel like that was really. Mm. Um, but yeah, because I did actually make a note of like I don't know if it would have been necessarily the director's decision to have that music beginning and end. Right. Um, it could have been. Angela but yeah, Kang's. it could have been Angela Kangs. Mm-hmm. But just going on what we've seen in a cutlets episode before i'm assuming that there's a correlation there but it. it wasn't terrible right. it was just like i noticed some things with it where i was like oh okay yeah that's maybe a bit of a funny uh, jump there you know, or something like that
3: yeah like well I'll, can i go into my number five of course just yeah sentimentality um the opening montage confused me a little because i was trying to figure out usually a montage has like Examples of a progression of something, or mm-hmm. s- things that are happening that are similar in different areas, and this was—they uh, didn't all—I I was trying to figure out how to tie them all together. Um,
0: yeah. But
3: the song is called "Heaven I Know" by Gordy.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It doesn't have a lot of lyrics, but um, it one part is "wear me, wear me out." It's all strung out. You found what carried you. So I feel like you know the theme lately is they're they're being fucked with by the whispers and and worn out mm. and psychologically messed up and they're this is maybe showing how across our communities they're kind of coping on this night.
4: Yeah, I wonder if that's yeah. And, I wonder and, if that's it. But
3: the thing is, the song I really liked the feeling of mm-hmm. it and it, it had a sentimentality and a warmth to it, and I, I'm realizing that I think you know I used to always be in favor of. Just The Walking Dead fearlessly killing off characters, even if we love them, because that's what Mm -hmm. the comic book always did. And I still have that. But I'm also more feeling sentimental about and and almost like the characters themselves, just tired of losing people that I've grown attached to. And uh, I probably think the way to handle that is the best way to handle is to just end the show. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
4: still with you. Like. I think we're in such a good position to stick to the landing yeah, after next season. I right. feel like we know that there's some good stuff coming next season in terms of cast and blah blah blah. Let's end after season eleven. Yeah, you know, I think that would be that, that would be, be cool. ideal. I think if we can ride this wave, that would be great.
3: Because I don't want to turn into the person that's like upset when the characters die because that is what the Mm. show is about but I am kind of like I don't want to lose anybody else so that whole Luke thing bothered me because I really more and more I like Luke especially when he kind of he mimics Eugene and then winks at him and stuff like that
4: he could legitimately be Eugene's friend (laughs) like he's got that little he's like like I think I said it before he's like if Eugene had social skills yeah like he's in that moment was like oh
3: we should be best friends (laughs) yeah did
4: we just become (laughs) best friends (laughs) but uh, like no
3: no, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, Eugene, I think sees him as encroaching on his territory or something, but, yeah. um, anyway, sentimentality, so i actually i I let myself like the song and and the yeah. montage, and I especially liked the family dinner with Daryl oh, serving food and the kids laughing and. Um, then he goes and get, puts a plate down for Carol, and she comes With the comes
0: little flowers later. and a little cup. It was so nice. Yeah. And I
3: think she's just starting to recover, maybe, from mm-hmm. her ordeal. And uh, so I really like that. And I also liked Michonne riding her horse next to judith in her like chariot which is a car being drawn by horses that was and so cute. they're having a cute conversation yeah i like that and then yeah the whole thing with with luke has just made me realize that oh man I, i'm i'm feeling more sentimental about this show these days for some yeah. reason and which is weird 10 years in but uh anyway I, I i saw a lot of criticism about that stuff and personally i liked it but i can understand why people would be critical yeah
4: it. i that's the thing i don't i didn't hate it it's just one of those things where i was like maybe beginning or end. it felt weird to come back to it at the end like there were bits of it but i think i'm I'm completely with you on that the montage just didn't quite make sense of what they were showing it was more like checking in with everyone which was (laughs) fine but like we kind of knew a lot of what was in it but the family scene was very cute and i loved seeing daryl and michonne um and th- this relationship they're developing, that or that they have developed over the last six years, I really enjoy that. I mm-hmm. think it's a really strong one. Um, and it's, it's you know, the third person in that relationship is Rick. Um, yeah. And they both had such a good understanding of him. And that's that's a really cool place to start from.
3: I mean, I still feel, if I think about it, take a step back. I'm like, Daryl started out as this really acerbic and edgy kind of a guy who was borderline racist, if not full on. And um, they smoothed out his edges and made turned him into, I'll say it again, for the hundredth time, a Fonzie. uh, (laughs) But if I'm going to enjoy the show, I have to just be okay with that. And and it is enjoyable, (laughs) but it's just not as, um, I don't know, it turns The Walking Dead into less of an work of art and more of just this kind of a nice feel-good kind of a thing.
4: I think this there was a few times in this episode where I asked myself, is Daryl out of character here? Like, is this... But, I, do you know, I bought just about all of it. Like, there were some bits with Lydia and with Negan where I'm like, do I really buy that this is Daryl Dixon, you know, as a character doing this? But then I'm like, do you know what? It's been six years. Maybe it is now. Like, yeah, And I like right. that they show him struggle with it i like that it's not easy he's not like the new rick he's not like now mm-hmm. i'm the leader it's like a lot of, i noted i was watching it with closed captions uh the second time around and i noted that a lot of the closed captions are just daryl sighing like loud sigh <laughs> sad sigh heavy sigh and I'm like. and
3: yeah, more and more much. the last year he's been more about just trying to get along to go along and avoid yeah. trouble because he's been through so much and even here he's advising lydia the same can't you just avoid him and <laughs> and yeah. it goes with the way they've been steering his character lately for sure
4: exactly mm-hmm. okay number four actually that leads really nicely into one of mine which is lydia and daryl um mm. oh lydia i felt so bad for lydia this episode i really did like i i'm gonna say i found the assault scene really upsetting yeah. like it was just not it was brutal it was just a young girl, a young woman getting beaten up by two men in an older room. I just was like, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. And I think it did a really good job of setting up why Negan's reaction, you know, we're all on Negan's side. Like there is no doubt that he did the right thing and it was an accident. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Like there's absolutely. you don't look at there's no ambiguity. You're not looking at that thinking, oh, Egan, Negan did that on purpose. It's like, no, that was absolutely an accident. He 100 percent did the right thing and just poor Lydia like it was brutal and when you see how injured she was after it just really made my stomach Mm -hmm. turn
3: and she's like thinking about her father and that he would have protected her if he it's was just there, heartbreaking it's really
4: yeah. and what makes me sick is like it just makes me sick that these other adults in alexandria are not looking out for lydia mm-hmm. aaron. like Ar- mm-hmm. aaron is on my bad list like <laughs> aaron and i need to have a chat because he's being a massive dick and that bit at the start where he could have diffused that and stepped in and said yeah don't be dickheads like this isn't on and he didn't and then later on gabriel does the same thing in the dining room he could have stepped in but as far as we know, he doesn't. I right. think he must tell Daryl, but you don't see anyone actually say like this is not okay. Yeah. And, and what's
3: and yeah. I, here's the thing is, I, I mean, that bothered the fuck out of me. Like, fuck you, Aaron. Fuck you, Gabriel. But yeah. as an, as, you know, taking a step back, I think it it's great to have those choices in the writing because of it reflects reality. It's yes. showing uh, this whole fear of other and how we. Um, paint everyone with the same brush and don't look closely to see you know if especially mm-hmm. when fear and paranoia are involved then we just start yeah. looking at all people who are part of the same group as being the same person
4: oh it was it's so it's so well done and i completely understand why they're being like that mm-hmm. it's just disgusting to do you know what I mean yeah, it's just absolutely, it's, but it's yeah. disgusting because it's real and that's what humans do we don't step in and you it's know just I mean? disgusting like, too yeah it's just horrible <laughs> yeah. it's just like why are you not being like you know why are you not being better about this but when you think about what they've lost etc etc i thought the the whole the other thing with the aaron scene is he's teaching them how to kill whisperers which from a defense point of view is is legit yeah that's what you need to learn but lydia's standing right there you know it's just it's so
3: and it's almost i could see that him getting some satisfaction out of that because mm -hmm. his boyfriend was killed by whisperers And that's the thing you got to remember. And I almost wish that they would have been a little more um, subtle with these three characters, uh, Gage, Alfred and Margot, who are, yes, the bad guys. And I don't approve of anything they did. But I I think it would be a little more interesting if you could feel get a better sense of what would drive a person to that. I mean, they talk about how they have lost friends. Um, so that's the it. highwaymen that nobody you, yeah, cares about. Yeah, <laughs> right. Nobody cares. And you don't really feel it because it would be interesting if you could kind of see where they were coming from. But, but you know, because these things are, um, I, I don't know, people uh, who we would otherwise be friends with might act like this because yeah. of of just shitty situations that everyone is in i i, I mm-hmm. get what i'm where i'm coming from
4: oh absolutely i think like the they just they did something quite interesting in the the grim assault scene with is it gauge that's the youngest one we we know him from being pals yeah. with like henry and everyone where he's actually not that into it at the start you can see he's like oh i thought we were just gonna you know scare her a little bit but then they wind him up and they're like think about Addie, think about rodney mm. and i'm like think about all these characters i've completely forgotten which one's that huh oh <laughs> ozzy who we apparently all love now um yeah i i thought it was they they tried but i agree with you it was a bit like mustache twirling yeah a little bit because <laughs> they really um, want to
3: um they really want you to feel for for lydia and i think we would have anyway
4: yeah because um, at they, the end of the day she's a child you know yeah. she's not yeah i just think and there was i've written one of my notes is is lydia literally eating worms when she's sitting in the like, laundry <laughs> and and the gummy comes bag through. of yeah but it's not <laughs> gummy Egan's worms like, it's just worms you picking worms out the ground again you know she's like yeah um i also <laughs> laughed because th- this is the reason it's kind of lydia and daryl is i remember really clearly in season five when they arrive at alexandria Daryl deliberately like guts a squirrel on a porch, like to kind of make a statement about not wanting to be domesticated and not wanting to be, you know, Alexandrian. And then Lydia basically does exactly the same thing. And Daryl's like, "Don't fucking do that." And I'm like, "Well, you did." (laughs)
3: That's a great scene. I loved it, especially the blood spurting on Gage's face, and he's like, "Well, what are you doing?" And she's so so satisfied. And then later, when Daryl says, "You can't be doing shit like that," and and I'll talk to him, and she she says. I don't want you fighting my battles for me. She's just yeah. really strong in this episode,
4: and her relationships with Daryl and Negan are really interesting. Because mm-hmm. I've written, it's cool that none of this is is icky. Isn't like there's nothing sexual about any of this. Because I know when Daryl and Beth went off, there was a little bit of fandom that was like, "Ooh, Daryl and Beth are a couple. Daryl loves Beth." And I'm like, Yeah, well, And like it that's...
0: seemed like
3: Beth had a crush on Daryl too. Yeah. So and I'm just a bit like a
4: little bit no thank you um whereas this I've, I've written i think my theory is that she sees negan as her dad and daryl is kind of like a protective brother like there's a bit of sort mm. of both are protective in slightly different ways um, and
3: daryl kind of in this episode reminded me of of wolverine wolverine yes. al- always has <laughs> these younger girl sidekicks like uh rogue jubilee yeah. kitty pride X twenty three in the comics and and another one called Armor. So
0: yes, he kind of acts totally like that right. a
4: little bit. He does, and he doesn't quite like he's got a better handle on Lydia than anyone else because there's so much that like, they have in common. Yeah, but Negan also has a really good understanding. Because they feel and like they, outcasts. Yeah, and I think Negan as well. Uh, comic spoiler. Edit this out if you want. Um, the we find out in Here's Negan that he used to work with kids. He was a coach. And I think you can kind of see that empathy with young people in the way. That oh he yeah, yeah. Nadia. I wonder
3: if he has that in mind. I'll, I'll leave it in. I don't think that's that big of a deal. But yeah. And
4: I thought Jeffrey Dean Morgan's reaction to the assault was really good, and his reaction when he realized what he'd done to Margot was really well played. Oh, it was shit. just like, oh. <laughs> but shit. then
3: later he's like, you know, really, who gives a crap because she was attacking a, a child? Yeah. <laughs> that was very Negan. So. I kind
4: of loved that. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. Too. I thought that was I mean, perfect. I think it's Negan. too harsh, but. Like, it,
3: it was great that he he, he was is just Negan. like
4: do you know what fuck it yeah he's like do you know what no regret she was being a dick and I'm like do you know I prefer that to him being like I'm so sorry yeah, he's just right. like uh. um, I think Daryl and Lydia's scene in the the hospital wing is pretty cute Um, and Lydia taking the hit for who let Negan out was really interesting choice mm-hmm. why'd she and do I that think, yeah why did she do I think she well I think she wanted to get into that cell yeah I think that was another. part of it
3: and also she's just like fuck these
4: people i don't feel they're part gonna of think them i anymore. did it anyway yeah, yeah it, i may as well just say that i did it yeah and i thought that probably the most interesting interaction was her and and daryl at the end where she says you know i wanted to be like you um and how her mum said about the polite faces being a mask and you'll target what is it pick a target aim and shoot at anything but you and i was like whoa lydia and negan are really nailing the political like smackdown overviews of how humans behave but you know she's not she's not wrong yeah um, so i think her interaction with daryl was but was definitely my number four there
3: as far as lydia questioning whether it's all bs and mm-hmm. um, saying what you just said my mother's right you people put on these polite faces but it's just a, a mask the her and lydia are both suggesting that this moral higher higher ground that the alexandrians claim is is bullshit but it's not that easy to say, in my opinion, mm. they're doing the best they can, but they're flawed. They're not perfect. Their egos yeah. and their fears get in the way and they don't. All, they mess up like Aaron did in this episode by not protecting Lydia. And just because when they're not at their best, they don't live up to their ideals doesn't mean that the ideals are not worth trying to live up to or that yeah. some of the things that they're doing are good, you know, that that just because uh sometimes they fail doesn't mean oh fuck it all it's all bullshit that's my my
4: (laughs) and it's funny because i don't think like i think lydia and negan are both disappointed like i don't think either of them is like oh it was totally bullshit the whole time i think negan is like damn it it can't work for me and um lydia is the same she's like you know I, i wanted this you know she's it's so heartbreaking when she's getting beaten up and she's saying you know i'm one of you I loved Henry and I just was like, oh, she is trying so hard. yeah, and
3: yeah that part. You... <laughs> I loved Henry and please don't. Oh. But I, you know, <laughs> I still so think horrible. neither one of them has totally given up on it as much as they're like, this no, is exactly. all yes I still think Lydia and, but the thing is that, it, you know my num- my number four was fear of other, which is pretty much everything you're talking about, mm. and it has mostly to do with Lydia. But the thing is, when you she's trying to fit in and show that she's not like the whispers. At the same time, she's having trouble with math and struggling to with the culture shock of being in this new place. But yeah. she's trying, and when they treat her like shit and treat her as if she's the bad person then they're actually possibly pushing her into being that
4: yeah exactly you know? it's so interesting it's just really yeah it's this it is this kind of psychology of the other and yeah. us being like well you're not one of us you never yeah. were you're different there's something specifically wrong with you you should
3: be ashamed of who you are yeah it just and it's, you know, causes the other person to be like well fuck you then
4: yeah and it's, I loved that at the end Lydia was like she used to feel responsible and now she's like actually no and Daryl's like you know you can't be responsible for what your mum you know did and I think that was good it was healthy to have her say that and realize mm-hmm. that you know it these things are bigger than just her and just her actions
3: yeah she needs to remember that even though the other people don't and it yeah, also exactly. is another connecting point with her and Daryl because Daryl had to teach himself that about his father and his brother Mm -hmm. he's not responsible for them
4: yeah you can't control other people's behavior you can just control how you respond (laughs) it's your wisdom nugget for the day (laughs) you (laughs) guys
3: and knowing is half the battle okay uh that was my four so what's your three
4: well i think this kind of carries on from three maybe a little bit uh, from four rather i wanted to talk about (laughs) <laughs> this I've, I've I've called it statute of limitations in the zombie apocalypse slash Negan, because Negan's uh, there's a really interesting scene with Daryl and Lydia where Lydia's like, I know what Negan's done and that's protect me, and Daryl says to Lydia, you know you don't know what Negan did, like you don't know what why he's in prison, what's happened, and it's this question of like when. Uh, it's so difficult to talk about this when actions become utterly irredeemable like when mm-hmm. when can someone ever be redeemed and I really I really didn't like Aaron in this episode but not in a way of like uh make him good he should be I, I just I think we were meant to not like him in this mm-hmm. episode um and he says that Negan is fundamentally broken you know he's like this person is absolutely broken you know we, we cannot fix them this is something that's just gone too far now and I just think I don't know. No one loves what Negan did, you know. We will all, all hold, always hold it against him that he killed Glenn and Abraham, etc. Um, but other people in Rick's group have done bad things too, and it's this weird, like our morality statute of limitations is like some things you can never come back from, but other things you can come back hmm. from. And I just find it so interesting that Negan is, to all intents and purposes redeemed at this point not not necessarily like you know light has cast down from heaven and he now like farms puppies or something like just in terms of when he's been giving the choices he's generally doing the right thing yeah i mean he saved judith he saved judith he did the right thing with lydia there was one scene as well with with daryl that i thought i couldn't figure out why i found that scene so interesting and i've realized it's actually the first scene i've ever seen with negan where at no point i don't think he's being antagonistic at any point he's just being mm-hmm. straight when and he says so interesting uh, to watch
3: you came here for a confession but it was an accident
4: yeah that he's just he's very straightforward. he's so <laughs> flat and muted but he's just he's not it's so refreshing and i don't know if it's I don't know if it's because he knows that Daryl, he can't be antagonistic like that to Daryl. Like, I don't know if there's something between them where he's like, there's no point doing that because I tried it and it didn't break him or whatever. But I just thought that was such a powerful scene because of the way that it was played. And yeah, it took me the second viewing to be like, this is actually probably the most genuine we've ever seen Negan be. Even with Gabe, he's quite playful. And it's just quite interesting to think about at what point does he become... Redeemed. Mm-hmm. Um, can we ever do that? And I thought those scenes brought it out really, really well.
3: If anyone should be sympathetic, it should be Abraham, who locked his whole flock out of the church and let them be Oh, devoured. Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel. Yeah. yeah. Damn it! I always get those two mixed up.
4: I was like, uh "Bad news, Jason." Abraham. I died. did again. I called <laughs> call
3: him, "Fucking Father Abraham" on the stage. It's
4: the bi- biblical names. It's. <laughs> It's the <laughs> biblical names. So Sorry, yeah,
3: Father Abraham has seven sons. Um, is Gabriel yeah. who locked his whole flock out of the church and and let them be devoured like that is detestable, and we um we we didn't like him for a long time because he was a sniveling yeah. coward for the first couple seasons. Um, and but, in
4: Rima's case, still do. not. Yeah, some people
3: <laughs> don't. Yeah, like when on the Whisper panel with uh with Gamma and Alpha and uh, Lydia at Walker Stalker, somebody asked if you could have had Jesus survive and had one of the other characters die <laughs> instead, who would it be? And nobody would answer except uh, Thora Birch, who plays Gamma, said Gabriel.
4: <laughs> ah, I love her. That's so funny.
0: <laughs>
3: She's like, oh, I'll say it, Gabriel. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he, you know, like that was that was just as bad in my opinion. Well, pretty close. Yeah. I mean, in some yeah. ways worse than what anything that needed on the other hand i totally sympathize with anyone who was personally affected like uh Aaron, who had his the love yeah. of his life killed by a savior and if i was maggie uh mm-hmm. i would never expect maggie to be okay with letting no Negan roam yet. around i mean you can look at these things uh, it, as far as being in a moralistic society what is your uh plan for these prisoners is the object to try and redeem them if so then yeah you got to put them in a program and set uh, some kind of a metric so they can prove themselves or something but if you're a person who's personally affected then it's going to be really hard to be on board with that and i don't blame them for not you know i still am mad at Negan for what he did (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> it is, it's, it is, there's like, it's an impossible question. Yeah. It's not like you wake up on January 1st of the seventh year after you've done something and it's like, oh, redeemed, right. great. But it's interesting to see how, like, there are people there now who don't know, you know, don't know what Negan did. Or like, yeah. people like Lydia who were like young. Judith. and. Yeah, yeah, like Judith will always see him it's like she doesn't view him as the absolute devil. She views him as this kind of I don't know, quirky basement uncle. I'm not sure what that <laughs> dynamic is. But the best thing is if Negan
3: <laughs> really, if I was in part of that society and I had been around when the saviors had everybody under their thumb and were terrorizing us. Yeah. And this Rick decided he wanted to keep Negan in prison to show that we're civilized and all that. And then all this time mm-hmm. passed, Rick is gone, Negan's out on work for a low or whatever. I would really yeah. want Okay, if we can't kill this motherfucker, then can we send him to another group somewhere far away, so sort of yeah. where no one knows him, and just get him out of here? You know, that would be the yeah. best thing, in my opinion.
4: It's um, it's interesting as well the the council scene because I got a bit annoyed about this because usually, like, I think The Walking Dead is relatively good these days it's sort of like gender balancing, and you know, the women are pretty badass, the men are pretty badass. There's nothing there that's. That's imbalanced. But in that scene where they're debating about Negan, I really wanted to know what Laura thought because she was a savior. She's been through that redemption arc. She knows Negan. And I was like, I just, (laughs) maybe there's a deleted scene, but I'm like, it would just be quite interesting to have her speak rather than Sadiq because I'm just like, I feel like Laura's got more to say. (laughs) That is
3: an excellent point. In fact, I really want to get to know Laura more because she was so just fucked up oh she before. was
4: awful. awful she was so scary and then,
3: <laughs> then the time elapse came and now she's like giggling and just being on the council and fine so i'm like "Ooh, that's yeah. what what happened
4: because that's like how is she so redeemed do you know yeah. what i mean it's that's i mean right. obviously she didn't do the worst stuff that Egan did but Pretty i'm like close. surely she's person <laughs> on that thing on that panel who has the most to contribute there but yeah they didn't yeah. ever say anything well whatever but
3: i don't know where this came from but i went to the walking dead wikia and it said how everyone voted so if this is if it's right here's how it went so the ones who voted to let negan live were Mm -hmm. daryl we saw and sadiq and laura and
4: michonne oh well daryl's
3: michonne's proxy so yeah yeah. and then so the ones
4: he's not on the council yeah yeah yeah, and
3: the ones who voted to kill him were uh these characters who we we see but they don't speak so we don't really know kyle and nora and then, oh
4: fucking kyle and nora of course <laughs> <would be> them <laughs> and aaron
3: so then aaron. um gabriel was is the deciding vote and how do you think he would have voted
4: oh he would have kept negan i think alive so too I think. yeah yeah i think so um i think because otherwise i don't think if he had voted to kill negan i don't think he would have been going to see him in the morning um if that makes sense like i think mm-hmm. that would i feel like if gabriel made that decision he'd distance himself from it as we know from shutting his flock out of the church um i just think, yeah, no, yeah, I think it would after all their interactions as much negan
0: as negan
3: safe. likes to needle him all the time um yeah he just seemed to be more you know i mean the way sadiq said it was hey if we're really having a civilized society then we shouldn't kill him over this and Aaron chimed in with well he's a bad person well yeah but
4: well that's Mm -hmm. the thing it's like it's like when someone in court um so my partner used to be a a defense lawyer and it's this thing about what you can take into account in court or not it's like well it doesn't matter the jury can't know if someone's done something a million times before they have to go in the evidence in that situation and i feel like with the situation that they're given there although there's no eyewitnesses i mean those like Those two guys just fall apart under Father Gabriel's very tentative (laughs) questioning.
3: One or two questions.
4: Yeah, it's like one question, and they're like, (laughs) "I'm just like, you could at least have tried a bit more." He's like, "So what you're saying is she's a scary psychopath, but you will go and meet her out in the dark in the middle of the night?" And they're like, "Hey, we're the
3: ones who were attacked, and like, well, she's the one in the infirmary."
0: (laughs) Oh. oh.
4: (laughs) So I feel like it's one of those things where I'm like, "Yeah, okay." If you weren't gonna kill Negan before this is not choose a better hill to die on, basically. I don't think this is this is it. Um but Negan recognises that it's the straw that'll break the camel's back and yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like his laundry life where he's dressed as like Luigi from the Mario games and just Wash his sheets seems to suit him so you know if that's why he wants to live let him live it like i don't care but <laughs> yeah i thought it was an interesting idea of like how long can we hold on to these things for and how selective our memory is as humans of what we will hold a grudge about and mm-hmm. what we will forgive it's I quite mean, and it is all relative you know
3: these poor people who have this condition where they have perfect memory like uh photographing memory. Oh,
4: eidetic memory, yeah. They
3: end up having a really hard time with relationships because the thing that saves relationships a lot of times is you kind of forget over time. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Completely.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, you have to because like not everything is of equal importance all the time. Mm-hmm. Things are relative um, and it's difficult because it is that classic thing that we always come back to which is we followed Rick's group from the start imagine if we'd followed it from somebody else's point of view so yeah it is that thing where we loved glenn and we knew that that was like the worst possible death and maggie was pregnant and it was just absolutely fucking brutal but also negan didn't really know that he was just some dude and it's not great that he would have killed just some dude anyway but you know what i mean these things are yeah
3: i mean i think um the negan uh he had this whole thing about uh, just kill one person if a group is giving you trouble and that will keep them in line and that's what's necessary in this world. And I think that's yeah. that's fucked. And there was worse. Simon was like, kill everybody. Um, but oh, I still Simon think... Man, yeah. it just I guess I, you can't say objectively, but to me it feels like objectively that what Negan did is worse than what, like, Rick, anything Rick has, has done because... Rick...
4: I don't know. I always come back to that weird thing where they went to the Savior Outpost and killed people in That's their true. sleep. That's
3: true. Yeah, you're right.
4: That's right. But that, to I me, that corrected. was a really weird... Well, no. I, th- I. The thing is, I think that was a really weird decision for the show because it, it like the whole thing with Negan well, in the comics was he kind of came out of nowhere... And it was sort of unjustified what he did. Where is that? I was like, they yeah. had Glenn kill people in their sleep. Right. I was like, holy shit.
3: Rick wanted to go like, into the hospital fun. where Beth was too, and just start killing people, even though he didn't really know yeah. anything about it. So anyway, we're getting a little <laughs> off track. Um, yeah, we're getting off topic here. So my number yeah. uh, three is also about Negan, which you've said
4: Great. Go for a it. lot about,
3: but um, I, I, I've been trying to peg where he's coming from because I thought that he changed his mind about his actions, but Uh, I think it was last week with Aaron he was saying I did what I had to do so I'm like oh well wait I thought you kind of came around to the Alexandrian way of things and then in this episode he says to Daryl I'm a sucker see I started believing in your way of life your moral code Mm -hmm. hell you even gave me a little taste of freedom just so you could yank it away when I actually did the right thing which I guess he's referring to right now right like he's been allowed to go out but now he's back in jail for saving Lydia you got to admit, that's pretty messed up. And we both know I appreciate some messed up shit. But um, yeah, but I, I, I'm just not clear on his mindset. Does he or does he not believe in the Alexandrian way? I feel like the show could be a little more clear on that, to be honest.
4: Yeah. And who, who do you, where do you think he is? Who do you think let him out?
3: Um, I think dog did.
4: Dog. <laughs> ruff, 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 clever dog. <laughs> Give me the keys, boy. Um, no, I don't know.
3: I don't know who do you think
4: i think carol did really yeah i do i think right there's two reasons i think this one is that i don't think uh, you and Rima had a really good discussion about this last week which is that um carol and negan don't really have much to do with each other and that carol wasn't there at the lineup so her relationship to negan has been a little bit different i wonder if she would let negan out hoping that he'll go and sort alpha out Mm mm-hmm because Carol will take advantage of a situation to her advantage. Like, you know, the thing with um, killing Karen and David. Like, it wouldn't be the first time that Carol does something that nobody expects Yeah. in order to another... preserve the grape or to do something. And at the end, we see Carol with this map. And I'm like, part of me is like, oh, that's Carol thinking of running. That's Carol thinking of leaving. But another part of me is like, what if she's told Negan what direction to go in? Mm-hmm. What if she's cut some kind of deal mm-hmm. with him? I'm probably wrong but it's interesting because the other thing is carol and daryl have a conversation earlier where carol talks about and she's like all anyone's talking about is and it's like time never moves i was like you're telling me girl <laughs> um but yeah a part of me just wonders if it was carol but, but the other thing is we dismissed laura pretty quickly like they were like oh laura said she didn't do it and i believe her let's blame lydia and yeah, i'm like yeah
3: that's a good point right. <laughs> we forget she um, was a, a savior and she just yeah, voted to so, keep him alive, Yeah, apparently.
4: My vote is for Carol, but I I might be wrong. It's okay. a, an out there one, but that's what I think. If that's it's
3: the dog, then you definitely owe me a drink.
4: If it's dog. <laughs> <laughs> do you imagine dog on trial before the council? Dog, you stand accused <laughs> of letting Negan go. What do you plead? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dog, good oh, boy. Oh, it's okay, <laughs> good boy.
3: Okay, what are we, number two? Go ahead.
4: Number two, um, I thought there was some pretty good background character stuff this episode. Um, I kind of know what you mean about feeling a little more connected to some of these characters. I I maintain that the five that they brought in um, Magna, Yumiko, Connie, uh, Luke, Luke, and. Ah, what's her sister? Kelly! the five of them that were brought in. I maintain that they've actually been really good additions. Like I enjoy oh, yeah. seeing them on I screen. Agree. I also liked um, seeing a bit more of Earl. I think Earl is quite an interesting mm-hmm. character because he's lost quite a lot in this war already. And I loved his argument that we are in a war now and none of the rest of you you know you just don't know it yet and i like having this kind of older guy who's a little angry and not necessarily the like sage herschel Mm -hmm. style dale thing he's actually like no fucking kill them they're awful (laughs) yeah um yeah because you see a lot of
3: guys like that too
4: yeah and it was nice to see a bit of alden as well so i didn't actually mind the hilltop stuff for checking in with people like jerry ezekiel i really enjoyed that um I was trying to work out in my head, did Hilltop suffer the most in terms of the Pikes? I think Uh, they might have, because it was Tara, Enid, Adi, other guy, Rodney, that's four. And then, oh, uh, Tammy. So yeah, I feel like Hilltop maybe has a particular axe to grind here, because it was was primarily... uh, Shit, yeah, six. Mm -hmm. That's that's a lot, you know? Um, Right. I like earl's anger i've mentioned that yumiko and magna's dynamic so interesting i loved how much they can say with just one line of dialogue i'm doing not a lot your, of um i'm not your like, lawyer
3: or you're not my lawyer yeah
4: <laughs> so interesting because we're doing i'm doing a lot of improv classes at the moment and one of the things you have to do is establish like relationship setting in one sentence and i was like whoa that did a really good right. job of that because and i it, now want to know everything
0: about that and it's it, really interesting yeah
3: and it it's very revealing and interesting. I mean, it brings up more questions, which is totally fine, but it's just yeah. yeah, a nice piece of information. And it makes me wonder, okay, wait, was she her lawyer and then she fell in, they fell in love or probably that's what happened, but you, you yeah. don't really know.
4: It's just so interesting, and Luke. Oh, I could just write like so much about Luke. Like I just love his character so much. But I mean, it mm-hmm. seems pretty certain he's gonna die after this episode. <laughs> um, I love that he raised his hand in that meeting in the hilltop house where he's like, oh, I'd like to go to Oceanside." Like his whole vibe is just so. It's a nice. He does what like early Glenn used to do, which is kind of do this sort of natural dorky levity and i I enjoyed that a lot (laughs) yeah and i think um the other character who we see a little bit of i i don't know if this is just still from last week um i really i still like dante i like the stuff they did with him in last week's episode and it was nice to see him again in this one um yeah those were my kind of background character observations
3: hearing you talk about all the characters i just keep flashing on moments i've spent with a lot of them on panels and yeah. I'm sad because I'm pretty sure that's it. I think this last Walker Stucker might be my last one, given what's going on with the yeah. car and everything. I don't know for sure, but it's pretty possible. Which might mean that I can put more effort into getting people on for interviews. So we'll see if that yeah, is a possibility. That but, would be good. Yeah, that would be good. But um, it that was such an incredible experience, and uh, it's just like sad to think that it might be over. So we'll see. oh i
4: know but we'll always <laughs> have the show
3: fogler uh, dan fogler he <sighs> he was a trip on those panels he he was really fun
4: he just seems like that he's one of those people where i'm like i would like to have a drink with you i think yeah. it'd be really interesting um and i loved his stuff with eugene the order the order of blatadia he's like yeah cockroaches and eugene's like, huh? <laughs> like <laughs> i don't want anyone else to be as smart as me yeah. um and also yeah i mean rj is still around i'm still a bit freaked out by that kid to be honest but it's good to know that he's eating his vegetables or not <laughs> no he's not
3: movie. daryl uh, daryl and not even daryl can get him too and i was thinking yep and i don't think daryl would be able to get bodie to eat his vegetables either
4: Yeah, (laughs) I love it Um, so yeah background characters were in a good place this episode I thought
3: okay my number two one thing I'm really liking about this season is setting up the villain the whispers to use this weapon of psychological warfare and it's a great dynamic and just to have them fucking with them to the point where it reminds me actually of this mash episode I saw years ago where they would play practical jokes on each other and um one of the guys knew that somebody else was going to play a practical joke on him and so he just spent the whole episode being paranoid and jumpy and mm-hmm. it turned out that was the joke at the end that hey i, I wasn't even going to do one but i knew you just it would just freak you out and then they
4: do that in the office as well yeah, with snowballs. Okay. yeah <laughs> and
3: then um one of the guys shaves half the other guy's uh mustache off at the very end <laughs>
0: yeah well,
3: but uh so the tree falling on Hilltop, like, you know, collapse the roof, breach the wall, let the zombies in nine people injured, some trapped. And it's great because some of these things that are happening could be the whispers or maybe not. Yeah. And I think, I think it was the whispers, but I think they are, uh, Intentionally doing things where there will be a question of whether they're doing it or not just to drive people nuts and also so that when other things happen that could be them or not people just won't know, you know, they're just doing such a good job of, of driving people nuts.
4: It's so good, and I loved um, Judith's little kind of summary of it, of like, you know when RJ won't sleep? I'm like, yeah, because RJ's the worst, but,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
4: she really hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah she, they're running you down, they're making you tired, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. I
3: do that, yeah. I'm like, yeah. run up and down the stairs ten times, you guys, just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then, you know, I've been trying to also understand the whispers and why... Mm why they would have this campaign and why don't they just, uh, they have 10,000 walkers. Why not just swarm everybody and kill them all? I think they still could. Well, if I, I mean, Judith usually is right and they presented her as this wise person. So I think she is right that they're just tiring them out so they can have even more of an advantage and just for sure have the kill. I also was thinking last week, you probably heard me say that maybe alpha wants to have an enemy that's Somebody t- that she can rally her people against, yeah, you know, to keep them in line, yeah. But there was one uh, thing in this episode where Michonne and Daryl were talking and realized, oh, that maybe Alpha won't attack because they have Lydia. Yes. And and that totally rang true. And I hadn't even thought about that before. But yes, that I mean, that plays into those things we've been seeing with Alpha, where she's trying to hide that she still cares about her, but she does. But then I'm like, okay, what is her plan then to tire and stress them out and then do what? And then I realized, okay, I think Alpha is actually. Trying to create the kind of fear and stress that will make people not trust Lydia and turn them against her so that she'll be kind of radicalized again and go back to Alpha. I think that's all part of Alpha's plan.
4: I think it could well be yeah I think last week you know how I was like oh I bet there's people shouting at the podcast that like were wrong about something I was like Jason it's because of Lydia Uh, (laughs) when they said it this episode I was like yeah
3: yeah yeah Yeah, I I didn't even consider that but then the little extra piece there is I really do think Alpha knows that if she fucks with the people that they're going to distrust Lydia and that will separate Lydia from (laughs) them
4: yeah yeah, it's it is definitely, I can totally imagine that kind of fucked up alpha logic <laughs> of like, yes, right. this is what's going to happen The here. mastermind. Yeah. <laughs>
3: okay, number one.
4: Uh, my number one is Ezekiel and Michonne, <laughs> which surprised me because as everyone knows, I'm Rick and Michonne till I die. But um, I really liked this whole exchange. Um, I figured when we saw the trailer at Comic-Con that the kiss would be a... Uh, red herring that like it wouldn't be a a relationship it would be a moment of stress or a why? moment of uncertainty just i just a knowing that Danai Gurira is leaving mm-hmm. and b i just i don't buy that partnership i don't actually buy it in the comics either um and i'm kind of glad that they addressed it in this as to why it maybe wouldn't work um but i liked it because i've written a few things about it it seems to address that relationship without endorsing it. It's like, yeah, it could have happened. Mm-hmm. And I like that they say alternative, alternate universe, universe or yeah. another universe because I'm like, there is one. It's called <laughs> the comics and it does happen. Um, but I liked it most of all because it is the kind of fucked up thing that happens when you're upset or when you're feeling vulnerable or when you're just two pretty broken people at that point. I think these things do happen and they don't always lead to like the love of your life and they don't always lead to heartbreak or turmoil sometimes they're just a kiss and it's just comfort and it just happens and it led to some really good dialogue between the two of them um one of the things i will say that i should have mentioned in the direction is i didn't really the intimation is that ezekiel is suicidal um and at the end of his tether but it wasn't hugely clear what he was gonna jump off of i was like is it is that is it a big drop is it a pier like the way it was shot was kind of like a bit confusing i was like so is he just gonna fall three feet yeah (laughs) it was like okay um but i thought carrie payton knocked out of the park i thought he really is selling this kind of broken down ezekiel um and i think the way that he and michonne talk together is wonderful because it's like rick is basically there in that scene with them um I'm glad that Ezekiel didn't die on the pikes, um, because this is quite interesting. I think what they're doing with his character is is interesting. They're really breaking him down to basics, taking him away from entirely from this huge persona, and being like, who is this man? What is he without his kingdom? And it it works. I think Carrie Payton's a really charismatic actor. I liked Michonne's description of her past and her. The idea of I've been here, well, not here, but here. Like I thought that was really well expressed. I, the way Michonne talks about Rick and having a partner in crime is just heartbreaking. Like it just, Mm -hmm. oh, I was nearly blubbing like watching that. (laughs) And I loved that Ezekiel. This recurring theme of like, yeah, I smile. You know, he's constantly optimistic. He's constantly bringing a happy spirit to things. When he says, "Yeah, I smile here." It's like the smile is a hollow action. It's like, you know what, why am I even bothering to smile? Like, why is this even something that I try and do? Um, And I just thought that it was such an interesting scene for the two of them, and I'm glad that they got that together. And I thought the kind of banter afterwards was quite cute as well, about, you know, it's been six years since I kissed anyone over four feet tall, and <laughs> he's like, you know, I'm not at the top of my game. And she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> i just thought it was a really nice character beat for both of them and i did laugh because the first time i watched it i thought that when michelle went off to find ezekiel everyone else just had to wait in the road and i was like are they just waiting there while they're like snogging and chatting but the second time round, she does say go ahead to hilltop so no one had to wait in the road while they worked out their issues but yeah i thought it was interesting and i liked that at the end we see um ezekiel rally a bit you know he comes in to defend hilltop on horseback and while he's not quite you know king ezekiel again there's definitely been a shift and he does seem to have a bit more purpose than he does at the start of the episode
3: well one thing i really like about good podcasts is when the hosts don't always agree oh amazing
4: (laughs) it's a classic jason lucy
0: argument
3: (laughs) Um, yeah i mean i i feel like i need to watch whole sequence again because the first time i watched it i mean it's depressing but to see him he he lost his kingdom his son his wife his tiger it makes sense that he's depressed it's not that fun to watch but it makes sense and you know it's it's a good story for him um but then when he's about to kill himself and then he starts kissing it it felt weird to me like what uh, is this how they get together? And then when they <laughs> they didn't get together, and I saw it, you know, through a second time. Okay, it was just a a fighting thing, but it felt weird to transmit the energy of depression into something else. And I'm like, what is that? It, it it seems like a des maybe a desperation to yeah try to have a reason to live or. Or Maybe it is a little bit of passion that just came out of this vulnerable moment, but it felt forced or I don't know. It just something about it didn't ring true to me. Yeah. And then they said that maybe in another universe line and I thought that was cute. But then when they're talking and um, they're talking about masks and she says uh, talking about the time that she was uh, walking among the zombies and just in her dark period. And she says, so I put the yeah. sword down, kill him with my own bare hands. Eventually I just gave up. And what did that feel like? It feels like a mask until it doesn't. I'm like, I'm not sure what she's saying here. And then Ezekiel says, my old mask saved my life, but I could only wear it for so long. I'm like, am I watching fear of the walking dead here with their character <laughs> cards?
0: <laughs> oh, sick burn. <laughs>
3: and then, uh, Michonne saying you had a, partner in crime but now it's all you just you I was pretty touched by that too but then when he said and yet I smile I'm just like yeah that's his line but does it fit here so I wasn't really won over by all that stuff I I wanted to be because yeah I like the rest of the episode more than those scenes and I didn't hate it yeah it just felt like
4: no I think that's fair I think I I, I have written in the, in my notes is this just because i like boring character stuff and it <laughs> might be i mean this is my constant critique from my partner is you like films where nothing happens because you like boring no i mean and I like, like yeah. <laughs> lost in translation
3: is one of my favorite movies ever. oh yeah God, you ever watch that, that
4: was iconic at the time yeah, yeah. i remember watching nothing it when happens. i was like oh i watched it when i was living overseas and i felt super seen i was like yes <laughs> this film right. understands my spirit um yeah I think it's funny that you brought up the masks because yeah I like the idea of masks this season but this that bit of dialogue did feel a bit on the nose because I wasn't quite sure what they were talking about because Ezekiel seemed to be talking about the masquerade of happiness and being the king mm-hmm. whereas Michonne was like the mask was the depression
3: yeah that's the part I was less sure about is or the she mask was,
4: was the bit
0: after.
4: <laughs> like that I, I agree with you that and was it sounded like clunky. something
3: Dwight would say in fear yeah like, what? What?
4: <laughs> I had a mask when I was looking for sherry before I became a pathetic piece <laughs> of human garbage like, yeah, okay, do I whatever. <laughs> oh my god, shut. Up. <laughs> shut
0: up. <laughs>
4: shut up. So, um, yeah. And I think I think the I think Ezekiel is his emotions are all over the place. I don't think the show necessarily deals with um suicidal thoughts very thoughtfully. I think that's a really hard thing to depict on screen. Mm um and i think this was maybe i don't think they needed to have him threatening to throw himself from an unspecified height for that scene to happen or for it to work and i think you're right that tonally it did add a bit of a strange thing where you're like oh so no no it's okay it's just like oh you're sad but now you're horny yeah (laughs) you
3: remember when beth was uh suicidal and andrea left her alone in a room with a knife
4: yeah that was awesome yeah that was awesome well done andrea <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 well done great way to meet your host like you like oh god Jesus. Uh, yeah the show doesn't have a great track record of that okay. mental health issues not necessarily well done but
3: yeah <laughs> okay any notes
4: uh you've not done a number one
3: that was my number one ezekiel Micho- uh Michonne and ezekiel
4: yeah. ah okay uh michelle and judith was cute i liked their quality mother-daughter time i thought that was nice mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I liked Judith's question of can we live with the skins and Michonne saying never take your enemy at their word measure them by their actions because right. that's actually really relevant to Negan
3: uh-huh. and Lydia too
4: they're yeah and Lydia as well and um, so I like the little mother-daughter kick-ass team although the fact that they're on the same wagon as Luke is quite worrying so I'm like hmm. uh, oh, right. um, I'm Stay kind of talking about <laughs> yeah I know I was like mm. talking about mental health stuff I find Sadiq like the PTSD stuff is really impactful, but I just find the fact that nobody apart from Dante seems to have any concerns about Sadiq at this mm-hmm. point is really, really funny. <laughs> like he dramatic. comes out like sweating and like crawling on the ground, like Ehh! and everyone's just like, "Come on, Sadiq, come and help!" But <laughs> he's
0: yeah.
3: like, uh, "Come what on, the fuck? get with it." But uh, I'm it's actually so getting a little tired of this. Like, they need to like, come on, Angela Kang, with your infamous pacing, let's get yeah, something address going on with it the or.
4: Also, where the fuck did he get ice from? I was like, "How are they? Is there a freezer?" Like, well, anyway,
3: he imagined it. Yeah, he imagined it. It
4: was some kind of thing. Um, I liked Eugene making healthy decisions and staying in Hilltop for a while. Um, and I liked the kind of him going, "Oh, doing the proverbial gap in the proverbial teeth." That is the fortifications, and Michonne's like, "So you want to fix the wall?" And he's like, "Yes." Yeah, great. We'll do that. Um, Gabe is gonna lose it at some point he seems so angry all of the time now because he seems to have ended up being like the administrator for all this bullshit so gabriel just looks like he's having a day and he's going to lose his temper with someone <laughs> really soon um and i like the oceanside got a little shout out on the radio when michonne's like it will keep this between us and then two seconds later hello it's oceanside and i'm like oh yeah those are not secret as we know from fear the walking Dead. everyone
3: hears everything yeah yeah <laughs> that's a very <laughs> good point
4: i mean could the whispers have a radio is that how they're hearing stuff you know i know there was some discussion not. about a spy but yeah
3: because that would be just like fear oh god mm-hmm. yeah.
4: anyway any notes <laughs> um
3: i have a question do you know why michonne was going to hilltop at the beginning
4: no i don't oh is <laughs> it because of the tree oh was it I don't know the timeline was a yeah, bit it might murky be. there I assume it was because of the tree but she wasn't very urgent
3: about yeah. It. <laughs> yeah I don't know just curious yeah. uh, let's see when she was talking about the time she was in a dark place and walked among the walkers um, I just thought I, I that was a pretty cool sequence and I remember uh, Gracie Lou who used to do comic talk she was oh, one Gracie. of those walkers
4: no really
3: yeah, that that's Michonne
4: awesome
0: so that
3: was, I thought I'd shout <gasps> that out
4: <laughs> i did not know that that's awesome
3: and then last i uh, thought the you know we've had many scenes of a group of walkers storming some place or other at night and having to be fought off but for some reason maybe it was the more intense music or just the way it was shot but i i liked this one it, they seem creepier than usual and when the
0: hilltop stuff yeah right? yeah yeah
3: and when um Yumiko was trying to pull Magna away I think she was right I mean there were dozens of walkers and everyone else had left and mm-hmm. Magna was upset that she didn't wasn't given a choice or that you know she wanted to fight him off but I don't know it seemed like a pretty good decision to to retreat yeah. at that moment but anyway I like it was the, the
4: right yeah it, I was you know I was watching it and thinking I don't know if they've like expanded the sets or something but something about the way that we saw it really, really appealed to me. Um, I was thinking exactly the same thing. This is cool, mm-hmm. uh, cool zombie killage.
3: Yeah, they're learning how to. There, it really feels like they have an eye on making things creepier and scarier now, which I yeah. totally love.
4: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, that is it. We'll take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. I can,
0: I can fit in the skin.
1: untold numbers of citizens
2: the people he kills get up and kill.
1: are they slow moving chief yeah
2: they're dead they're all messed up <laughs> this is a walking deadcast news update
3: okay entertainment weekly talked with showrunner angela kang they said well i wanted to read all the stuff about um ezekiel and michonne to get more color on mm-hmm. that They said, "Let's get to the Ezekiel and Michonne kiss. What? What's the meaning behind that? Why does he kiss her, and then why does he snap out of that and apologize?" Ezekiel gets horny when he's depressed. I'm just kidding.
4: (laughs) it's a real problem <laughs> yeah,
3: it's a syndrome uh, Ezekiel's clearly going through a lot right now he's lost so much and that character is like a tigger you know he's optimistic and he really takes on a lot of the burden of being the cheerleader for his people but we've also seen that he's able to fall into a pretty deep dark depression as well when he lost all his people during the all-out war battle on the savior outpost we saw that he was in a pretty bad place so we really kind of wanted to deal with Ezekiel where he's at emotionally in the sense of depression and just thinking for a second that that Maybe he might want to end it. And the interesting thing is, the idea of doing this kiss here came about in an unusual way. I was having a conversation with Denai, and she said, You know, it'd be interesting if somebody tried to kiss Michonne. And she responded, Because Michonne's got all her own things that she's dealing with, and there has been no exploration of her romantic or sexual side with her since Rick's supposed death or disappearance. And so we bounced that around and we're like, ah, I don't think we're gonna do that. And then this other pitch came around, which is because we were working on this Ezekiel story. The room kind of came up with this idea of what if Ezekiel in his depression wants to connect? He just feels so alone and he feels so sad. He just gets some signals crossed for a second and then immediately realizes that he kind of screwed that up and pulls back. It becomes the start of a deeper conversation between the two of them so we like the idea giving a nod to the comic book relationship between ezekiel and michonne and there's even that little nod to maybe in a parallel universe or something uh blah 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 so i guess uh and michonne was being gentle with him so he wanted to connect and got his signals crossed that was her explanation
4: interesting okay
3: um, so horny went said <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah uh, they also asked her who's in tar- charge of hilltop and she says there's not really one person in charge they have an interim council yumiko uh, alden and earl they weigh in there's the kingdom contingent ezekiel and jerry so i guess they have a council
4: interesting
3: next broadwayworld.com interviewed composer sam ewing who i guess is co-composer with bear mccreary which maybe is why the music sounds a bit different lately um okay they say you're co-composing the most recent season of the walking dead with bear mccreary how did you get involved I started interning for bear's company when season five started up. And at the time he needed some managerial and logistical support on the show. I really happened to be in the right place at the right time. That being said, I also made a really decisive effort to help him and go beyond what he was asking of me. And I think that's why I got to where I am now. There's some advice for you guys. They say you've been involved with the walking dead in some capacity since season five and, How have you noticed the score changing from season to season as plots and characters develop? He says, It has changed dramatically. When I jumped in on season five, the direction was John Carpenter, simple but dreadful analog synths. It's the future post apocalyptic. Of course, I was into that, being obsessed with tech and synths. As we got into seasons nine and ten, however, we start to see the characters build society back up and revert to old technologies like windmills, water wheels, colonial plows, horseback, etc. So the idea that showrunner Angela Kang and Barry McCreary sparked that we're still running with and developing now in season 10 was that the music would follow suit and devolve in a way, away from the more modern synthesizers and into something more acoustic, organic and rustic. I think it's such a simple and wonderful direction. So now we call it a modern Western score. I'm actually liking it better. What do you think?
4: I think it's cool. I really, I was impressed with the music this season so Mm -hmm. far. It's really been working for me. So yeah, I'm I'm on board.
3: Yeah, cool. All right, I think that's going to be it for the news. Let's move on to listener moans, groans, and grunts.
4: Uh, Elizabeth Nikolaevich says, The episode was a good mixture of interpersonal drama and a zombie threat, as well as a few sociological questions. Poor Lydia. A pawn in the Whisperer War is clearly inferred by Michonne and paying for the sins of her mother from those three ignorant bastards. Has Negan changed and has Lydia changed? No doubt about it. Negan is unforgivable and not redeemable, but he can do the right thing and that should be acknowledged. But now what is Negan up to is the important result. And that mask of civility Alpha talked to Lydia about, when Lydia finds out she's a pawn, it can only have consequential results as well. It should be interesting. All in all, we saw the damage hate can do with those three kids, bullies in bloom.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, she's like, Negan's not redeemable, but he can do the right thing, and that should be acknowledged. So right before they hang him, they should thank him.
4: Yeah, thank you, Negan, (laughs) for not always being shit. You're going to die now. Now Now go die.
3: (laughs) Robin Springer says, I like the episode. Worried about Luke. Invested in him because they've given us little bits of story for him right along. Same Mm -hmm. with Connie and her sister. Not so much with Magna and Yumiko. We know they're in a relationship, but that's about it. That's been pretty much M.I.A. And out of the blue, we have this big conflict between them it seemed out of place and forced. And Magna needs to do something besides stomp around and pout. I kind of get where you're coming from there, although yeah. I, I think there, this is them giving them more to do. And maybe it's the start of getting to them, yeah. know them a little better.
4: Yeah, I hope so. Amelie yeah. um, Rochette says another great episode with a slightly different tone and angle to it. Alexandria should establish a zero tolerance to bullying policy. They have to improve their management of teenagers. It seems weird to me that Aaron did not step in when the other teenager put the bag on his head and was bullying Lydia. I mean, it's quite obvious that she was the victim there and I know Aaron might be done playing Mr. Nice Guy this season, but still. The mean kids also openly pick on her. Did anybody else besides Negan and Daryl see that? Anyway, poor girl. I'm a bit disappointed in the Alexandrians on this front. Yeah, you and me both, Emily. hmm I love Luke. It appears they're setting up the table The Walking Dead style for something bad to happen to him but fingers crossed it's not the case. I also like that they dig deeper into the Magna-Yumiko relationship, her former lawyer. Can't wait to find out more about this. And finally, I just can't say enough good things about Jeffrey Dane Morgan and the way he plays Negan. I mean it would be easy to portray Negan as a caricature with all of his great punchy lines but Jeffrey plays him with great subtlety adding layers and nuances to the character. I like how there's still a mystery around Negan. I can't help it. I kind of like him now. (laughs) But no, I haven't forgot about Glenn and Abraham. I think he did just change. I hope he saves the day and gets to reintegrate into the community.
3: Yeah, I think he's, he's changed, I think yeah Uh, he's changed for now would there be some kind of a situation where he'd go back to his old self i'm not so sure about that yet based on the things he's been saying lately but um
4: yeah he's
3: definitely really fun to watch right now for me anyway yep
4: yeah (laughs) for sure it's funny the more he tones it down the more endearing he is to watch i think
3: yeah but i love when yeah they still stick a little like acerbic thing in there here and there too yeah (laughs) alicia stout says i may be the only one here but i kind of thought this episode was just okay or a bit meh it was kind of all over the place and i found myself not caring a whole lot about it until the last 15 minutes i love cudlets but no one really tops nicky directing style in my opinion hashtag sorry not sorry well, I bet you like it a lot more after you heard me and Lucy talk about it. Right, Alicia? Definitely.
4: Yeah, she's she's on the phone right now just telling me that. Um, Karen she says, The writing in this episode was top-notch for me. I loved the theme of masks and facades, seeing two strong leaders break down and be vulnerable with each other. I teared up during Michonne and Ezekiel's talk. I cried along with Lydia when she said that her father used to defend her against abuse. Loneliness and yearning for love were palpable throughout the episode.
3: That's a nice. I'm surprised
4: to find myself so invested in Magna's group. They've only been on the show for a handful of episodes, yet when Luke nodded goodbye to Yumiko, I believed in that group's genuine love and concern for one another. I hope Luke gets to Jules, but as others have mentioned, it seems like they're setting things up for his demise. Yeah. Yes, agree.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping he gets to her just because I want to see more Jules. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: part. Uh, no, I, I like, want to see more Luke. You want to like like see Luke more Jules? Great. <laughs> Aaron Carper says the love and pride that Michonne has for Judith really came through in this episode. It was so awesome to see them killing Walker side by side. Yeah. But towards the end, yeah. I can't help but think that something's going to happen to Luke on their way to Oceanside. The music and the long, heartfelt goodbyes seem like something terrible is about to happen i really like the relationship between negan and lydia and also the fact that daryl is sticking up for their side of the story yeah he's like i don't care about negan but i know i I know what happened um all the black sheep coming together and watching out for one another but but what will negan do now that he is free
4: Good. we'll talk about that in comic talk (laughs) rick montalvan says love how much attention is given to character development negan is right by the way
3: (laughs) edward Branscombe says starting to overuse music montages
4: Mm. christina elaine says i want judith as my zombie apocalypse partner reminds me of when rick and carl killed lots of zeds together great episodes overall
3: they should do a entirely an, an episode entirely in music montages
4: Oh, it would be like a family who slays together, stays together yeah. with like really sweet music and just right. loads of like, ha ha ha, and <laughs> montages.
3: Rachel Burr says, uh, love the episode, but the music makes me feel like some serious shit is about to happen and I don't like it.
4: Mm-hmm. We got a couple of emails. <laughs> oh, from Rachel Burr. Uh, so Judith, freaking adorable. Next. Did we just have our first Walking Dead sex scene? Magna and Yumiko, winky face not to be a perv just gonna interject here but we did see abraham and rosita doing it in a library once
3: and along with eugene we've also and Eugene also
4: saw that yeah
3: we've also <laughs> seen uh shane turn laurie around on the grass
4: oh god yeah and oh, huh, we yeah, saw um,
3: maggie and glenn in a tower and also in a shower i'm dr seuss yes, now Both
4: um, true yeah okay yeah jason's I, clearly got the list ready and <laughs> loaded rick and
3: michonne uh maybe i mean i don't know if you'd consider that a sex scene i don't with, i
4: think you're i think rachel's up. right in that this was more explicit yeah than
3: i guess you're right scenes. yeah but but um, some of those other ones though um oh yeah. yeah and those all when i read this just popped right into my head i didn't have to go look it up or anything
4: <laughs> oh, nice. i just remember the library one because yeah Eugene hanging oh my absolutely. god it's so gross. oh man And um, rachel says uh, negan's loose now i hate to admit it but i am on his side i mean he saved judith and now lydia yeah he killed that highway woman but she was an ass anyway and it was an accident. I love this episode. I gave it five out of five gutted squirrels. The music seemed so hopeful in the beginning but in the end it seemed like we were saying goodbye to certain people. Definitely Luke, as he got to hug everyone. Hopefully <laughs> no one else. Love the podcast. Gives me an extra dose of my Walking Dead since no one in my family will watch it with Aww. me. Oh, Rachel. Well we are your Zeta family. Get and yeah, thank you. Yeah, we will always watch it with you. Leaving
3: your Walking Dead loving friends in the lurch.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Isolation is how we get listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh
3: Barry says, I've watched all nine seasons. I've listened to your Walking Dead podcast since season six. I'm not watching season oh. ten, but I'm still lo- downloading you i just can't samantha morton is such a fine actress that her portrayal of alpha physically makes me ill alpha is so (laughs) dangerous and vile i just cannot watch this season without your covering the highlights each episode i would not be able to keep abreast of one of my favorite shows thanks oh and i super enjoy listening each week keep up the good work insert zombie growl here arg
4: wow really thanks barry
3: you're missing a good show i guess yeah Yeah, you don't want to I mean I can't watch Haunting on Hill House I've been trying you ever watch that
4: I I've been meaning to start is it is it is it is it it quite full-on
3: yeah it freaks me the fuck out I wanted to watch it because Rima and Sean did covered it on Strange Indeed and I'm like three episodes in and I was telling Rima like you know when you watch or for me when I watch a really scary movie I'm looking at my watch going okay I can handle this for another 45 minutes yeah (laughs) Um, and when you're watching that show i'm like eight more hours
4: (laughs) you know what my my tip my tip is for barry and people who get worked up about these things and i am one of them because i get anxiety about these things i actually read spoilers or synopses before i watch things that are scary because i feel if i know what's going to happen i won't be as oh, scared yeah. it drives peter nuts he's like why are you Whatever even watching this if you know what's going to happen but it does help yeah like, it has got me through many a scary film <laughs> yeah so barry
3: try listening to at uh, right after you hear us then watch the yeah. episode. maybe that. and then help. go
4: straight in. Mm-hmm. yeah. And there's some really good uh, synopsis. Forbes yeah. always does a good synopsis. of
3: So next episode, week, so. just to mess with Barry, we'll be like, oh, it was all like, nice and shiny and sunny this time. It was
4: so lovely. <laughs> Alpha was so nice to that baby kitten she found. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, we have a couple of calls. First one is from Steve Brown.
2: Hello, Walking Deadcast. This is Steve, and uh, a few notes for... Walking Dead season 10 episode 4 and uh, just how long was Michonne, were Michonne and Ezekiel out on that <laughs> whatever that was that they thought he was going to uh, I guess they thought he was going to commit suicide or or whatever. How long were they out there for? Didn't she tell the rest of them to wait and then just never came back for however long? Um, I loved Negan and Daryl's conversation there in the cell and uh, with Negan saying, you know that he finally does the right thing, and they pull, basically pull the freedoms away from him yeah. because he did some, did the right thing because he was finally buying into that moral code. Absolutely loved seeing that, and I wonder how this is going to affect him going forward, especially now that he's uh, escaped and let loose or whatever. Um, mm. What happened at Oceanside? Did did I miss <laughs> a part? Of, I watched the episode twice, and I I didn't. You know they said the tree they said the walkers attacking alexandria and they said and now this at oceanside and i didn't hear what the this was at oceanside that happened that was prompting them to go to go there that they thought was also the Whisperers. Mm. so but i also really liked luke wanting to go to oceanside to uh, kind of see his girl and eugene wanting to stay at hilltop to be away from a girl i thought that was an interesting Uh, Double there, so Mm. uh, anyway, that's uh, all I got for this week. Talk to you later.
4: Wait,
3: Eugene didn't want to go to stay away from somebody.
4: Eugene didn't want to go back to Alexandria because of Rosita.
3: Oh, oh, okay, I didn't catch Mm. that part. Um, I think, I think Steve that uh, that somebody there thought they saw a whisper, and Eugene said, "Well, where you see one, that then there's probably more." So they wanted to go check on it.
4: Yeah, it was sort of like the third thing in a list of like. Mm, I think they are starting to fuck with us, and mm-hmm. it was very close to where the mask was found. I think.
3: Yeah, and they saw one of the zombies just look like it was more sentient or something. I think.
4: Yeah, it was like waving and drinking <laughs> <a different laughs> coke and flipping them all <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: and then, uh, final call we have from Enwin.
1: Enwin. Hey guys, how's it going? Mm. Haven't called in for a while because I fell off fear halfway through the season (laughs) because it was so bad. (laughs) But I'm really glad to be back watching the main show and listening to you guys. I'm loving the podcasts and the variety of the co-hosts. Hi, whoever it is this week. It's me. (laughs) Whoever you are, I know I love you. Um, This show's great. I love season 10 so much. Tonight's episode was great. I love Judith she is such a badass. I was literally jumping up and screaming when she was cutting down those Z's um, at Hilltop. I thought that was so, so great. I'm really enjoying the suspense. I like the tension. Who would have thought that we'd be rooting for Negan? Because I certainly am. I think he's turned around and he's a really interesting and quite sympathetic character now. When you think about the amount of time that's passed since everything happened, no, maybe he shouldn't be forgiven, but it seems like he could be actually a useful member of this society now. Um, was such an interesting episode with what happened with him and with Lydia. Loving the show. It's awesome keep up the good work guys bye thank you love her i've been um a a nice
4: thing to do as the winter months approach is rewatch the lord of the rings extended editions and i did the two towers yesterday and i thought of anwin i was like (laughs) Hmm. anwin knows loads about lord of the rings so yeah it's nice to hear from you Mm anwin
3: yeah that that's being made into the most expensive tv show ever filmed
4: yeah that's gonna be i don't know when it's coming out but it's I think it's going to be like a prequel almost cuz the Tolkien yeah. estate's being funny out about something or other and yeah, interesting. So it. I'm Hopefully it's good. Intrigued to see. Yeah.
3: Okay, okay now we're going to just do a little comic talk section. Not not a big deal, but I just thought it was worth mentioning a couple things that are playing out that are in the comic. That's what comic talk is. But uh just Ezekiel like in the comics when he got so depressed and actually was kind of disappointing Michonne because they were together, but he was not Mm -hmm. being very much of a man because he was just so down on himself. And this, uh, when Kari Kari Payton first appeared in The Walking Dead and as we got to know him and love him, I thought, oh man, are we going to have to see that with him? And now we're getting a little taste of that or at least a version of it. Mm. I'm like, ah, it's, it's still... It's good. It's it. It makes sense for his character, even though it's sad to see him like that. I'm not feeling like, oh, I wish this they had never gone there. Like I thought I might. Mm. I don't know.
4: It's interesting because he was. He's one of the most iconic Pike deaths in the comics, right? And it's, yeah. I really felt They're like when they didn't around. do that, I was like, okay, so they have a plan or something. But I think it would be a shame if because carrie Payton's amazing, and I love what he's done with Ezekiel. But it would be a shame if they were like, Oh, we can't kill a fan favorite, but we're just gonna have him around to be depressed. You no, know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, so, it's that yeah. sort of thing where I'm like, I hope that something happens here because it's quite yeah. interesting. I
3: trust Angela King, so yeah, hopefully.
4: Yeah. In terms of other comic book things, I've just refreshed my memory there about Negan's escape. And I'm gonna take back what I said um about Carol letting him go because I think we know who lets him go because it's someone called Brandon and we heard Brandon's name mentioned in this episode. Brandon is basically the person who's charged with being Negan's minder and in the comics Rick kills Brandon's father uh, in self defence and Brandon helps Negan escape because he wants the whisperers to rise oh, up against rick right. he's fed up I of rick's about that rule guy.
0: yeah, yeah. so then, did
4: i i was like oh who the fuck and then yeah by the way negan... did we mention
3: there's spoilers from the comics i forgot to say hopefully people realize that <laughs> but, there's uh, spoilers
4: for the comics because the <laughs> I'm, I'm about to
3: give another really big one because brandon was a little weasel and and he was i think he was sucking up to negan but he was uh, anyway negan ended up killing him
4: oh yeah Negan uses him and loses him within yeah. like a day because what Negan's plan is and I hope this is what they're doing in the comic uh, in the show big spoiler people
3: if you don't want to hear something that might happen in the show that'll be really cool spoilers. just skip ahead like, right now the biggest but, yeah. spoiler ever like don't <laughs> listen
4: to this podcast ever again Um, he goes to get Alpha's head and take the head back to uh, Andrea and Rick to show that he is he is fully reformed he's fully yeah. loyal to and, Alexander and that
3: would very much fit in with what they've been doing in the show lately where negan's like oh shit i don't want to be lumped in with the other here because people are fearful so he he would do that to prove his loyalty
0: and
4: you get some amazing batshit stuff with negan and alpha almost flirting kind of Mm -hmm. like it's it's so bananas
3: trying to I think you they really do think hooked up, didn't they, or they kissed? at I least.
4: think almost, and I yeah. think is it is it Mr. Blog his favorite line? It might actually be Derek's favorite line as well, uh, where Negan encounters Beta and calls him Stabby McTwo Knives. So <laughs> <You're> <laughs> right. I hope that right. that moment comes to life. Yeah. So I have no from, doubt Negan
3: yeah. and Negan's going to see Alpha. I I would be yeah. surprised if he's not right now.
4: Yeah, I think that's it. So I I totally had blanked on that and then I was like, No, it's Brandon, Brandon lets him out. Um I think I'm trying to think of any other major comic things that have come up that are otherwise
3: That's all I had, yeah. That's
4: it really. Yeah. Um there's probably some I think there's been quite a few sort of allusions to panels, like the Silence the Whisperers panel is quite iconic, written on the walls of Alexandria. But generally I think we've switched up so many characters by now that there's a little bit of um a little bit of kind of free Mm -hmm. reign there the only other note i had from this episode that i think can go in comic talk is i'm intrigued to see if when maggie comes back they will put her on the same track with dante because i can actually see those two actors working quite well together so that is my i
3: don't know as a character he's so much of a bro i i i um i'd be interested to see them try but i don't immediately see her being interested in him
4: (laughs) Well, they dyna- I think it's interesting because he's quite different from Dante in the comics. Yeah. Um. But the dynamic that Dante and Maggie have is very much Dante is infatuated with Maggie and kind of constantly sort of flirts with her yeah. and, and asks her out and kind of yeah persistent. And I can kind of see this actor pulling that off yeah um but i'm just intrigued to see where that goes because i think it's interesting that they introduced him and yeah we are getting maggie back so who knows where that's going right yeah Yeah, that's kind of interested too that's kind of where i'm at with it so yeah
3: all right that's our show episode 376 thanks for listening everybody enjoyed having you back lucy
0: oh
4: it's been great i'm glad to be back <laughs>
3: well it's only for one week because next week it's karen <laughs>
4: oh, dun, dun, dun. Then, well that's the best reason to not be here so. <laughs> after that
3: maybe i'll sit out and then we can mix it up
4: <gasps> get the Somebody ladies yeah. night
3: <laughs> if you want to call us for any of those you can call us at 650-485-DEAD that's 650-485-3323
4: you can email us at brains at com
3: find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast
4: and be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com
3: strange indeed is covering castle rock season two right Ooh. now and i'm about to start well it's going to be in a couple of weeks here but i think i announced it already um me and chris and rich are going to be doing the mandalorians on house on the mandalorian <gasps> on house Podcastica. yeah that should be fun Um, Um, And then I just wanted to remind you guys If you want to take part in free November You can either go to facebook.com Slash deadcast and give me your email On there or send it to me at Jason at podcast.com I'll invite you into the Facebook group Yay Next episode of this podcast Walking Dead season 10 episode 5 What it always is you know, you know what, what it is. is.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's got to be a play on that, right? I not Oh, God, know. Morgan's coming back. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's our show.
4: Thanks for listening. Don't get, get big, back. Gus pantazis. pantazis. Don't get bit, Gus Pantaz. No, nope. oh, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> I don't know. I was Pant- waiting Nazis. to see
3: how you were gonna say that.
4: Pant, Pant- Nazis. <laughs> that's can to be a name. Pen-ta-t-t-s. Pantazis. <laughs> Pantazis. Okay. <laughs> Pant Nazis. Um.